0: Just about that time here on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, the NFL Draft. Jake, we're less than a month away. We are exactly 29 days until the first round of the NFL Draft. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you that we are finally in draft season, draft euphoria? I
1: I call it for the real football fans out there, not just the people that don't watch football and then they watch it one day a year on the Super Bowl. I personally think it is the best day of the year for all football fans. Best weekend of the year. Even better than Super Bowl weekend, because I think it involves every team. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And that's the beauty of it all is that every fan of every team is pretty locked. The, the real ones that is, not the ones that are just casual. The real fans they have something to look forward to. See what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. I, I literally had this conversation, I think probably, I think like last week, that Super Bowl weekend, for as great as Super Bowl weekend is, is very overhyped because you get through those those two weeks of, you get to the conference championship games. Conference championship games, I think are, it's better than the Super Bowl. Conference championship weekend. Then you go through those two weeks of like nothing, where it's just hyping up the game, hyping up the game. And it's like, three-hour blow-off and then it's just kind of like oh okay it's, it's 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 done whereas with the draft let's say this is months and months of, of build-up and we have a three-day marathon at the end of it of just nfl drafts i don't even know what the word to describe awesome. it it's it, it literally is for any for any Roster holic's dream for anybody who just loves looking at the player ticker and, 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 and seeing what moves their team is doing that this, this is like, this is your weekend. This is your dream come true. This, I, I say this is like the wannabe GMs. This, this is your weekend. This is, this is the weekend. And we're going to have you covered here for the next month. Just talking about draft prospects, talking about team needs. we we'll gonna be talking about all 32 teams over the course of the next month culminated at the very end, of course, with the mock draft episode we'll be doing. I believe we'll be doing one on here with you where you'll be giving, you'll actually have your, your, your time to shine. We'll actually, we're actually going to be doing a Jake Simone exclusive mock draft where I just sit back. I just chill and you give you give your predictions for the first round. And then the night, the day of the draft is when the usual Adam and I will have the the mock draft. And I'll be coming out. I believe we'll do that on the basic talk podcast fancy show as well, because it is it is football. So um, but Jake, are we good? Uh, are we good otherwise?
1: Great, can't complain. Excited. we we got quarterbacks today, right? And
0: we got quarterbacks and, today. And we the have East. and the AFC East a division <laughs> is near and dear to your heart.
1: Exactly. So this is one that's been circled on the calendar. For once, yeah. I don't have to actually really obviously I'm gonna watch the quarterbacks because I really like doing this, but for once I don't really need to if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You see what I'm saying? Right. Once my right. team's not looking for a quarterback, we'll we'll probably be doing that again in a couple of years, but hopefully not.
0: <laughs> so. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. You could dream. And and Zach has his best friend back in, in Braxton Berrios. I mean, who needs who needs Tyreek Hill? Who who needs Tyreek Hill when the Jets have Braxton Berrios?
1: Well, listen, receiver day isn't here yet. There there could be a Tyreek Hill or two floating around in this draft. So we'll we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there.
0: For the sake of my Keeper League team, I am really hoping that the Jets do trade for DK Metcalf because if they do, there are a couple Jets fans in my uh, my Keeper League who would be just going nuts to try and get DK Metcalf for a ninth round pick.
1: Or A.J. Brown.
0: A.J. Brown doesn't help me. A.J. Brown doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> D.K. Metcalf, on the other hand, now that helps me. I wouldn't want any of D.K. Metcalf, but of course I would hype up D.K. Metcalf for the moon. And someone who's a Jets fan would want D.K. Metcalf for a ninth. So I'd be able to just rob them blind and have Elijah Mitchell and, and Cam Akers, which would just be just wonderful, wonderful stuff. But before we get into the uh, the football uh, part of it, um, I've been on a few pods today and every single one of my pods has started off with the same question. So I'm going to ask you, Jake, the same exact question and we're going to have a nice, ripe old discussion about it. And then just like I did last week where we had an overwhelming response. I was actually very surprised. An overwhelming response to the poll that I put up on my Instagram. Link was in the bio of that, of that episode. I'll put the link here because I'll leave a poll for this one. Is what side are you on, Jake? Are you Team Will or are you Team Chris?
1: Team Will or Team – start from the beginning. What, what is – who oh, – oh, Chris Rock and Will Smith.
0: Come on now.
1: You, you needed go. a reminder. Oh, I'm on, I'm on uh, Chris Rock's side easily.
0: Thank you, thank yeah. you. Any it's, any sensible-minded individual is is supporting Chris Rock right now.
1: It's it's just like, come on, man! Why he was just making it? Chris Rock's a really good guy. Like, yeah. Well, if really, if you really had a problem with it, you got to do that on national TV when the entire world is watching.
0: Exactly. There are 200 million people, odds are, that are watching at that given time. And you decide in front, of a lot, in front of a hot camera to go and do that. Like, okay, if your wife took insult to the joke, okay, fine. Like, you, you go find Chris as he goes backstage. You go meet him by the door. You have a nice discussion. No problem. That it could be squashed. There would be no issue whatsoever. But the fact that Will Smith chooses assault, which is which is what that was. It was assault. Like where I where I come from, if someone punches somebody else when there's no threat to anybody, and I don't think anyone's gonna say it, Jada Pinkett Smith Smith was under threat, under physical threat, I call that assault.
1: And, and let me tell you another thing too. Chris Rock, talk about a chin. He didn't even touch his face after that. He just laughed it off and just said, Wow. He kind, I
0: happened? I have to, I have to say I I did feel kind of bad because he just kind of looked like a bitch after that and it did make me kind of sad but it, at the same time though I kind of understand cuz he was in a state of shock it was like oh what the hell just happened and I would be the same way
1: Yeah I think I feel like America is really on Chris Rock's side here I haven't seen Oh
0: many yes I saying, well,
1: I, that's I can't
0: right. say I I can't say that I am living in a home with people who are unanimous Chris Rock because One person in my home is Will Smith, and I just – I I don't understand why because the, the basis of it is you have to defend your wife. Okay, you could defend your wife in ways that don't involve assault.
1: And also just the, the timing. Like, dude, something that could have been talked about. But like, what were you accomplishing doing that?
0: Nothing, nothing. Nothing. And then going and cursing on national television. Like, we curse on here we curse but we are we are a podcast we, we there is an e next to our name for a reason that uh, you know what you are getting into this is on network television being broadcasted to the entire world and that that is what people tune it to see bad bad very 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 bad of course i'm going to post the poll on instagram so go and vote go and vote because the last poll that we did again, a, a mind-blowing turnout for for that vote the vote the subject matter was a better uh, lightsaber duel was between Anakin and Obi-wan or Luke and Darth Vader and Anakin and Obi-wan won by 77% of the vote. So for those 77% of the people who voted for Anakin and Obi-wan, thank you. You're good people and we could be friends. Okay. So to start the, 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 the football portion of, of the program, I'm sorry, we have to put down the uh, National Enquirer uh, TMZ bit of the program. It's very sad, I know. Hey, Jake. It's that time. We have a question from the mailbag. This question comes from Michael. Jake? Hmm. <laughs> Where, 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 where is, where where, 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 where is Michael from?
1: Let me just look it up. Uh, Portland, Oregon.
0: You just have to look it up that quick, that quick. It, it it's, it's his most frequent in search. It, it, it really is. It really is. It, it's
1: it, Portland, Oregon is just the home away from home.
0: It really is. It really is. It's, it's just, it's sensational stuff. We love Portland. Shout out Portland. Uh, by the way, if, if Portland could cover tonight against uh, Oklahoma city, that would be fantastic don't know if it's going to happen probably not but we'll see i would love it if they do um okay so michael his question is a very it's a very broad very generic question but he says out of the players that you have done research slash projections slash thought about in the early stages of preparing for drafts who is the one player that you feel is being undervalued right now and will be a steal in drafts if he is projected to go at the spot that he is going at right now. So who's the guy that's a little bit lower in in projections and ranks right now that if he stays at that spot, is going to end up being a steal?
1: In fantasy drafts or the NFL draft?
0: In fantasy drafts.
1: Okay, in fantasy drafts.
0: I do have mine.
1: You, you Go ahead, then.
0: Uh, for me, it's Cam Akers. For me, it's Cam Akers. Right now in, in uh, half-point PPR, uh, I just actually updated my half-PPR ranks today. Cam Akers right now in my half-PPR ranks is going at 19th overall. The consensus has him 27th overall. So if I can do the quick math on this one... Cam Akers is coming in as my RB twelve and half point PPR, and then full point PPR is where Cam Akers really shatters the mold for me. And full point PPR, Cam Akers comes in as the fifteenth overall pick. I have him at number seven overall, RB six in my ranks. So for me, Cam Akers, it, I know it's it's like saying a lot that oh, a guy that you're as projected to go into like the second third round can outperform that. But I really think he can. I think Cam Akers is, is – I think he's in for a, is a bomb of a year. I really, really do. And if, if you're looking for one, maybe it's a bit outside the box because I know some people will sit back and say, oh, it's so easy to project. Amari Cooper, that's the other one for me. Amari Cooper right now, I have him projected. I actually did – I ran some more projections today. Amari Cooper came in as my wide receiver 13. I know I said last week after the trade that he was projected as my wide receiver 12. I ran those projections again today and he came in as my wide receiver 13. So, and he's being taken right now as the wide receiver 25. So yes, fourth round pick for Amari Cooper. I like it a lot.
1: Right. For me, it's Dalton Schultz. I I truly think that he has top three tight end potential in fantasy. I think he has the potential to be the Mark Andrews that we've seen in the past couple of years where he's somehow drafted fifth, sixth round of fantasy drafts and, eventually turns into one of the upper echelon tight ends of fantasy with Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and then there's kind of Mark Andrews, and then everybody else. I think Dalton Schultz has a real chance with Amari Cooper out of town. Doesn't really look like Dallas will be adding another premier pass catcher.
0: From what I've been told, they're probably going to stick with what they have. If they're going to add anybody, it's in the middle of the draft.
1: And to me, a lot of those short and intermediate passes will start going to Dalton Schultz that Amari Cooper excelled in for Dallas over the years. That's kind of been Dak Prescott's security blanket. When the going got tough, he looked for Amari Cooper. I think that will be Dalton Schultz even more. So it was more Schultz last year than Cooper. And I think this year there'll be even more more targets going to Dalton Schultz's way. And, And full point PPR, I really think that there is massive, massive potential at a position that doesn't have a ton to work with.
0: So, after updating my half PPR ranks today, Dalton Schultz came in as my 82nd player overall. He came in as my tight end five, six, seven, came as my tight end eight.
1: I really think there's top, I I think he will be an upper echelon tight end. I agree. Top I five, agree. book it.
0: I agree with you 100%. I think if, if he stays that eighth round, eighth, ninth round value, yeah, that's a, that's a home run of a pick, because it's it's the stat that I keep saying time and time again. I mentioned this last year with when talking about the Dallas tight ends, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it a thousand more times as we get closer to the draft. A season in which Dak Prescott has finished, a Dallas tight end has had at least 90 targets in every single year. Dalton Schultz was that guy last year. When we were looking for answers about who it was going to be, whether it was going to be Blake Jarwin, whether it was going to be Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz emerged because Blake Jarwin was hurt. Dalton Schultz had a prime opportunity and Dalton Schultz was fantastic back in Dallas on the franchise tag. And he's, he's the guy it's it's their three tight ends in Dallas right now. It's Dalton Schultz. It's Sean McEwen and it's Jeremy Sprinkle. And he's not being guys. challenged.
1: We love guys looking to get paid as well.
0: Oh yes, we
1: he's looking to get do. Paid.
0: Yes, we do. If he doesn't get paid, uh, during the offseason because I mean pay Dallas had fifteen million dollars or so to float around to potentially pay Randy Gregory. So we know the money is there. It's just a matter of does Dallas want to use it? Which and uh, this, that's just a whole philosophical debate about how about Dallas. Draft. Yeah, it's just it's a philosophical debate about how Dallas does free agency, but free agency is a week old. No no one gives a fuck about free agency anymore. But I mean it's just like Dallas just blows my mind. But yes, Dalton Schultz, I, I I completely, 100% agree. I think if I'm looking at the tight ends that are in his range, looking at Dawson Knox, I'm looking at Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Pat Fryer, Moose, Rob Gronkowski, I think Dalton Schultz might have the highest upside out of all of those guys. I think I think
1: on so. floor, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. And I think people, obviously the question about Gronk, you know, what, will he be back, won't he be back? He'll be back. He'll be back. If it's one more year with Brady, yeah, he'll be back. Fryermouth, There their questions about the, the quarterback position in Pittsburgh. I know Jake and I are very much on record in saying we just want no part of the Pittsburgh passing game. And, I mean, anybody who, who, who is actively looking to go invest in that, Godspeed. Uh, Dawson Knox is a bit of an interesting one. I think Dawson Knox is like a lesser version of Dalton Schultz because I think we're waiting for that consistency with Dawson Knox, whereas Dalton Schultz... Yeah. We've had we've had that consistency. He just gave it to us over the last year. That's touchdown. the main difference.
1: It's a touchdown or bust tight end, Dawson yes. Knox. If you take away the touchdowns last year, we are not actively looking at him this much on the fantasy radar.
0: I completely 100 percent agree. And then Dallas Goddard, he's he's the first read for Jalen Hurts. So that does carry some weight. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean Dalton Schultz. If you can get him round eight, round nine, you've done really, really well. I know Jake. You've said this. I know I've said this as well. Dalton Schultz, if I can't get my hands on Mark Andrews in mid-round three, early or late round three, excuse me, or Darren Waller mid-round five, it's Dalton Schultz in
1: round eight, round nine. I want zero part of Darren Waller in fantasy football in 2022. I don't know about you. He is not on the radar.
0: I I would be interested, but it depends where. It it really depends where, it, but I I really no, do sir. think that <laughs> it's Andrews, Andrews and Kelsey Kelsey being the one, Andrews being the two, and then a lot of question marks after that, a lot, yes, sir, because you have Pitts now with, who's his quarterback? Marcus Mariota? No, thank you. Darren Waller, can he? Is he going to be healthy? What does it look like in a fully healthy offense with him, Hunter Renfro, and Devontae Adams? Uh, TJ Hawkinson in, in Detroit, that's just, it. he can't stay healthy, hasn't given us that tracker record yet. George Kittle in San Francisco, you know. If if it's Jimmy Garoppolo there, which it lo- is looking increasingly like, that Jimmy Garoppolo at least will start the year there, maybe, because I just don't know where you're going to trade him to at this point, then I could be more interested in Kittle. But if it's Lance, ugh. Not really my cup of tea, if you ask me. The same here. But Dalton Schultz, yeah. I, I'm very much in the same boat. So our picks uh for that, Cam Akers, uh Mari Cooper and Dalton Schultz. So you got a running back, a receiver, and a tight end. And I'll throw one in there for the sake of, you know, people who are saying, Oh, but where's a quarterback? Uh if Deshaun Watson gets less than a four game suspension, round twelve is a steal where he's going right now.
1: Won't be it will not be round twelve. I will put a wager get, on that if he gets if he gets more than a four-game
0: suspension it, he may go undrafted
1: oh no that's different i'm saying though if he gets a four-game suspension it will not be round 12
0: i think it might be because when tom brady got his four-game suspension he was he was late 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 i think it got him round 13 14 in a couple spots a little
1: different though
0: sure sure because obviously the more that you have the r- rushing ability with the sean watson in his Brady prime, yeah, yeah. But if, he, if, if you're telling me it's going to be, even if it's round 10, even if it's round 10, yep. Nine, yep. Round eight, yep.
1: Yeah, you could, easily sh- you could stream like Derek Clark or Cousins for the first four weeks of the year and then have Deshaun for the stretch run. Easy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely 100%. And, you, and, and like you said, even if it's not one of those guys, just pick out the guy that has the best four-week start start of the season, boom, plug him in, done. Simple. Simple as that, and then you have Deshaun Watson when he when he comes back. But four games or less, Deshaun Watson is the guy. If you start to, if you start talking about four plus game suspension, then it gets a little bit dicey because you know what's Deshaun Watson going to do if he comes back to your team and you're sitting at one and four, zero and five, zero and six, one and five, you know something like that. Not really going to help you. Not really going to help no. you uh, in, in in the slightest. All right, time to talk about the quarterbacks shall we so the way that we've actually decided to do this this year and we actually took a lot of feedback about this last year was i think a lot of people didn't necessarily love just going guy by guy so what we decided to do was just go start just talking about the top five guys give our top five uh and then after we give our top five and have a discussion about them we'll give a sleeper choice for the position and then after we talk about the qb's that we just go break down the divisions both by team needs and potential fits in each division. So, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the show, today we will be talking about the AFC. So the Jets, the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Bills. So, Jake, you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to give your fifth and my fifth, your
1: fourth, my fourth, or do you want to give your top we go, five? We, we go from five to one here.
0: Okay, we go from five to one. All right. So, your number five quarterback, please. Who is it?
1: Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati.
0: Carson Strong for me, Nevada. Uh, Number four.
1: Carson Strong, Nevada.
0: Sam Howell, UNC. Number three, please.
1: Matt Corral, Ole Miss.
0: Matt Corral Ole miss for me as well. Number two. Kenny Pickett. Malik Willis for me. Liberty. And number one is Kenny Pickett for me.
1: Number one's Malik Willis for me. Looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yes, we we definitely have uh, a lot to to talk about here to, to unpack. So let's just start with the with the obvious one. I have Sam Howell in. You don't. Why does Sam Howell not crack your top five? Or maybe the better, the better conversation would be, because we, bo- we both like Carson Strong. We'll get to Carson Strong in a second. But what makes, what, what had you put Desmond Ritter in over Sam Howell?
1: The thing that I kind of, it's interesting, because a lot of my rankings throughout this whole draft season will be a projection. And I like guys with ceilings. And if you were to go based off of ceiling. Sam Howell definitely has a higher ceiling. I'm not a big fan of uh, Desmond Ritter's ceiling at all. To me, Desmond Ritter reminds me of that a starting quarterback with high intangibles, leadership off the charts at Cincinnati, got better every single year, but he's limited, right? He doesn't have necessarily that rocket of an arm, that textbook release, mobility. He doesn't have all those tools, but he brings those intangibles to a football team. Whereas with Sam Howell, his – if you look at his throw, his throwing mechanics are absolutely hard, horrible. And to me, that is just something. Whereas if you get to the NFL, like I had this problem with Justin Fields last year, I'm sure you remember this conversation that I was throwing mechanics. When you get to the pros are extremely hard to fix because you've been throwing that way your whole life. So you get to the pros. If you're asked to play right away, you're not correcting that. You need to go to a situation where you're sitting for a long period of time where you can learn in the shadows, right, in practice. And are you getting enough practice reps not being the starter? If you're not the number two as a number three in the scout team, you're not really getting the reps and the resources needed to get better. And That's where it comes into play with me with Hal is he just needs a ton of work. He really needs to start from scratch from the beginning as a writer he can be a guy that if everything else is perfect in place or you have a good defense running game offensive line guys to make plays after the catch he can win you some games in the nfl that's that's where i stand between the two
0: so the thing the thing with how is that i i do agree that there were a couple of things with his throwing as a whole that i was kind of left you know just kind of unimpressed with but I I go back to something that you said in terms of teaching how to throw the ball. And I think, and I'm not, I'm not coming at your neck for this, but I think, you know, that was one of the main points that you and I just went back and forth on when it came to Josh Allen was that there were certain things that you had said that that couldn't be taught, couldn't be corrected that he needed to sit for a while. And and granted, I also said that Josh Allen probably needed to sit for a year. I did not think it was going to be a week. Before Nathan Peterman completely just stunk up the joint, and Josh Allen was just going to be thrusted into. A- oh no! Wait, I'm sorry. It was Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, no, I mean Josh
1: Allen sat for almost the whole year.
0: Yeah, almost, year. almost. It was it was it was Tyrod Taylor. I'm an idiot.
1: But it, it was Matt Bar. It was I think it was Matt Barkley.
0: Was it I'm Barkley?
1: It. I think it was Barkley. Was I don't it? think Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor was in Cleveland. Josh Allen. That's rookie, right. That's
0: with, right. With Baker. Yes. It was Baker. Matt
1: Bar. It was Matt Barkley and some other guy. Um.
0: It was no. It was Peterman.
1: No, Peterman was on the Raiders. Don't you remember? John Gruden loved him. Peterman never started another game for the Bills after the five hundred. I'm telling you, I don't think. Well, that's Peterman. that. That's
0: the game. That's the game that I'm no, thinking that, of. It was the five was interception the year, game? That
1: was the year before. Remember with Tyrod, they went to the playoffs and they sat Peterman.
0: Yes, yes, you are right.
1: But, but it, it's irrelevant at this point. Josh Allen sat for most of the year. Not not most of. I would say, how many games did Josh Allen started rookie year? I think like seven. 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 So, yes, that's all irrelevant. The, the, everyone, yeah, it, it's terrible.
0: moot point, moot point. <laughs> yeah. But with, with Hubbard, when when I evaluated him, like, and just looking at his numbers as a whole, that's like one of the first things that I want to look at is just looking at the numbers and then watching the film and seeing if the numbers add up with what I see on film and then w- where maybe there's like a little bit of a, of like a little issue. When looking at his numbers, I always say when I see a guy go down every year in college that's a problem for me and that's exactly what Sam Hubbard did he went from a 3600 yard passer in 2019 a 3500 yard passer in 2020 and then it's just a shade over 3000 yards in 2021 and granted you could say you could say that the level of talent completely went down from 2020 especially to 2021 because he lost arguably the two biggest pieces of his offense were Michael Carter and Javante Williams, and they ended up going to to the pros. and Hubbard was still there. In I kept I said Hubbard again, didn't I? Howell
1: have to find you. And yeah, said, literally,
0: you're you're gonna have to find me. and, they, they all and have Howell was basically receiver. Yeah, and, and yes, and, and that and and Howell basically was left on on an island to kind of just do it on his own with. With really inferior talent that was at UNC in, in 2021, and the results showed UNC were not the same level, and it it did hurt Sam Howell a bit. I will say the one thing that I do want to see from Howell a bit more in the pros. I think situation with him is going to be very important. Like if he if he goes like I, in my latest mock, I had him going 32nd overall to the Detroit Lions. He goes to the Lions. I think I think it's an okay spot. If he sits, because if you're thrusting him in, if the Lions go 0-6 over Goff, that's not going to help him, I don't think. In my opinion, I don't think it's going to help him. But if he, goes to, if he goes to a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, they have the O-line, they have the weapons in place, they have the defense to back him up. That's a great situation for him. But do I think Pittsburgh will take him that high in the teens? No, I don't.
1: Listen, I don't want to poo poo all over him because he does have ability. I'm I'm not saying that he's my sixth rated quarterback, to be honest yeah. with you. I just it, it could have been five or six, I think it's splitting hairs at that point. But he just needs a ton of work. A ton of work. If you if you bring him along, if you're a team like a team Minnesota Vikings, for example, in the second round, sit behind Kirk Cousins for maybe a year or two. Okay. But the problem is if you're a second round pick in the NFL, if you're not playing by year two you're kind of a bust, right? There's probably something wrong there. And that this is the, just the day and age of the NFL. And that's why I think a kid like red, and you've talked about this, but I also think it's a little blasphemous to compare Josh Allen had some rare ability coming out of college. Yes. I wasn't the high highest on him, but it, it was rare athleticism. Something that Sam Howell doesn't, uh, Sam Howell's an athletic guy, but Josh Allen, please. It's definitely not. And the arm talent, not even close either.
0: I was going to say the one thing about Howell from his 2021 tape that I liked was that he was actually much more mobile in yes. 2021, which could help him, which yeah, could really he's help him,
1: too. He's, a, yeah. he's definitely a quick guy. He can excel in the spread RPO style of offense. that's coming to the NFL. I just think that he needs work. Man. Like, it sounds very cliche to say, but. It's it's tough to project a guy where if you don't really love a guy's mechanics and his footwork, it's tough to project him at a high level because that's something that's tough to correct, in my opinion.
0: I think it's very fair. I think it's very fair. But I think the one thing as well that there were a couple games with Sam Howell that when I watched the tape with him, there were two games that stood out, and I have it on my note sheet. It was the Florida State game, and then it was the Notre Dame game. And then when I Man. checked the stats on it, it actually, and this is just based on, uh, on PFF. They were his, he had four games this year where he was over an 85 grade to the two games, the Florida state game and the Notre Dame game were two of them. The other one was against Georgia state in week two uh, who really cares. And then the last in the bowl game against uh, South Carolina, but the, the two games that, immediately jumped off the page if you want if you just want to see more of Sam Howell were the Florida State and the Notre Dame games but another thing with Howell and this this is a positive with him is I like the interception numbers with him seven interceptions in 2019 seven interceptions in 2020 nine interceptions in 2021 the 2021 numbers from a, a couple people that I talked to there are some teams that are just kind of like eh we don't like that huge drop off from 2020 to 2021 and then there are others that are like, OK, he, he, he lost basically his entire offense from 2020 to 2021. He was just the last remaining soldier kind of there. So teams are kind of willing to just, you know, say, all right, we'll 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 discount that a bit. But I mean, over overall, I think there are a lot more questions than answers when it when it comes to Howell. But is is, is he is he the best prospect I've ever seen? No. And I think it really is true with this entire class, I want to point out. That the quarterback class as a whole, this is not going to be your strongest class for, you know, franchise quarterbacks. It's possible that we have three, maybe four that we're talking about be franchise guys, but that's probably the max. And if, I mean, in any, in any year, you get three guys that are franchise franchise guys. It's a good draft for quarterbacks. So if you can get three out of this group, I think that would be a very, very good number because there's a lot of big question marks with every, with every quarterback. And even the top guys, you know, pick it for me. Willis for Jake. There are there are a lot of questions with both of them. And you just, you know, you have a lot more questions as you just keep going down the uh, keep going down the ladder. So that is Sam Howell. Let's go to Carson Strong. Jake, we both are big fans of Carson Strong. We actually talked about this today. We talked about this today that we are both Carson Strong. Guys, what do you see in Carson Strong that makes you uh it, real hot and heavy?
1: It's interesting because the NFL has kind of drifted away from this conventional drop back, stand in the pocket, don't really move type of guy for a multitude of reasons. And if you're looking for the guy to make what I like to call the, the wow throws the off balanced off platform, roll out, throw it on a three quarter angle. This is not your guy plain, plain and simple. This guy will just sit back and stand in there almost kind of like how Phillip rivers used to do. Right. Obviously I'm not comparing both the guys, but That's what he is. And to me, when you look at strong and his ability to throw the ball over the middle of the field, right. And this, when you're not the most mobile guy in the world, you need to be smart, right? The ability to look safeties off, look linebackers off fool guys, throw it between the numbers, middle of the field. Like those are some money, big boy throws in the NFL, man. And that's something that it's, and that's tough for a college passer to come out of the NFL and do right away. We've seen guys get cute over the middle of the field. How many times do we see a rookie come into the NFL and, oh, wait, there's a safety or middle linebacker just standing there. And it's like, he's throwing it to them, right? Countless, countless, countless. And and that was a big ability was strong. And one thing that I will knock him on with the middle of the field, he does kind of have a tendency to kind of leave his guys out to dry a little bit. You see what I'm saying here? Yes. and, That could be a little problematic in the lack of mobility. And also another thing is he does tend to sail some passes over 20 yards when guy he just puts a little too much, what I like to call oomph on the ball. Yeah. And and that was just something that stuck out. But if you put him in an offense where it's very play action heavy and you can develop him on the run, you can kind of minimize those errant throws. With guy, the layups, if you you see what I'm saying here, the, the yeah. layup throws with guys open beyond, you know. The guy, the throws
0: that you have to make.
1: Yes, exactly. And you clean up those things. This is a guy that can win games for an NFL team. Plain and simple.
0: So there are, there are a lot of things when I watched Carson Strong's film that I loved. And if you're looking at it from a, a statistical point of view, because I'm, I'm a big stats guy, I'm also a big eye test guy. So if you're looking at the stats, he's got them. If you look at his last six games at the end of the year, when he when he uh, finished off for Nevada, he has six game stretch at the end of the year where he had to drop back and pass fifty times. He did it in each of those six games, so he he's he shouldered a big workload. So that's good. You look at the eye test. Does he pass it? I mean, this guy is just he he he's a deep thrower in every sense of the word. He's just he's got an incredible arm. But again, I think it's it's as Jake said. It's the consistency that he just has to, he has to keep improving with. Under pressure, there were a couple times where I saw when, Car- when Carson Strong really got under pressure, he, he, that's when the mistakes happened. It was when he had he had blitzers in his face. That was when things got a little, little iffy. And then now the medical with him is a big one, because he has a degenerative knee condition which some doctors have said is potentially career threatening. Uh, there are teams that I know that completely have him off their board because of it. And then there are other teams that are saying, well, if we can get him in and he passes out some checks, then we're happy with, with having him in the building. And I think that's really going to be a big, big selling point for Carson Strong and where he ends up. He, he, I think he's a classic guy. That we're sitting in like the fourth round and we're saying, how is this guy still here? But if you want those questions answered, it's looking at the medicals with him. Because th- those knees, that is a big, big selling point for a lot of teams that I that I know that have said, yeah, no, we, we can't take the chance on that despite the talent. And he is, he is an unreal talent. It's just a matter of will, will the medicals check out.
1: We differentiate a little bit on, on how we kind of about you're a big numbers guy for me, not, not the end all be all. I think the college game can produce a lot of fluky faulty stats because the game is just so much different than the NFL. I think the NFL game is starting to get a little bit more like college, but a, a stat that you brought up and I have it here in my notes is he had to be the offense for Nevada. Yes. He wasn't yep. necessarily working with world-class talent and, him to drop back 66 times he doesn't have this capability that these other other guys have. oh no he's, he's a can...
0: strict pocket passive strict
1: exactly so he had to sit back there and drop back and you're right what i wrote down here is he's gotta when there's blitzers coming he needs to know okay i gotta throw this one away i can't be taking big shots like that and that was something that stood out for me where he was taking these massive shots where you don't have to take those shots the plays over you'd lift to fight another down every hit could be your last in the nfl yeah. yes
0: yeah, I think what he needs to improve on is just his ability in the pocket. Just be a bit better. If he knows that he is physically limited outside the pocket, which which he is, which he is, and there's no, there's no denying that, he just needs to get better with the subtle movements in, in the pocket. And what I mean by that is looking off defenders, creating passing lanes, being able to kind of, kind of, I, I guess the word that I want to use here is just kind of juke defenders, but not necessarily physically juke him with your legs, but juke him with his eyes. Being being able to look look one spot then quickly go to the next and boom zing it in there, zing in there for completion. That's and that comes with maturity and 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 more football intelligence, which you naturally you naturally grow as you become more of a professional. And like you said, you could only do so much at Nevada to really like you know be like eye popping. And that's no disrespect to Nevada, but I mean it's it's Nevada. We're not talking about Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. You know, this is Nevada. So Will he be better with proven talent around him? And if he's given the chance to start at the next level, it's quite possible because he has, he has the arm strength. He has the accuracy. He just needs to be able to put it together and become much, much more of a smarter sort of passer in in the pocket. That's one of the the biggest things. And then, like I said before, and I'll repeat it a million different times until, until the end of this draft season is with, not just with him, with other guys as as well. The medicals, the medicals are just are, are huge. Huge for him.
1: Tennessee Titans. I, I have a good – I when I scout these guys, I have the best fit for them. Tennessee Titans, day three of the draft, not a bad swing.
0: I like it. I like it a lot because, I mean, we've – I don't know if we've seen the best of Ryan Tannehill, you know, come and go. But, I mean, they, there's no succession plan. They, they They have to take a chance on somebody.
1: And you see how Ryan Tannehill played last year, and when the season mattered the most. I think it's just worth it. And if you're looking to just every good team develops quarterbacks, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I, I completely 100 agree. And if if they're looking for that sort of, because their offense is really is really predicated around running the ball. They do it with Derrick Henry, then taking your deep shots when you can. It's perfect. It's perfect for a guy like Carson Strong, where if his if his game is going to be, say in two years from now, he, he, turn, he goes to Tennessee and he becomes the guy and Derek Henry is still, still standing. If his game is going to be drop back 25, 30 times, give it to AJ Brown a little bit. If he stays there, we'll, we'll assume for this exercise that he is, but <laughs> just drop it off, drop it off to AJ Brown, launch some deep bombs to him. And then you're handing the ball to Derek Henry 30 times a game. I mean, that's a, that's the recipe for success for a guy like Carson strong. That again, does have the, the degenerative knees so we'll see with uh with strong where he where he ends up so the consensus top three that we have and most people do have do have as well I and mean, i'm not going to you know say like we're we're on this ship by ourselves here it's pretty much every everybody is saying that these guys are the consensus first round quarterbacks corral willis pickett we both have corral at three so I'll just touch on on matt corral uh really really Quickly, Jake. What was what was one thing that stood off for you? Stood out for you for for Corral when you watched him.
1: What was something that I loved about Zach Wilson last year with his with his mechanics?
0: Oh God, was it? I mean, it, there there are a number of things.
1: Is with, it with just with the the fluid release stood out?
0: I it was either the it was F- either the big playability yeah. of Zach Wilson or it was the release. It was one of it, the two
1: this was the smoothest release out of all the passers in the draft by far the only thing that didn't have me rank and he made a lot of wow throws too like the, it, arguably the most in this entire draft is MacRo obviously playing the SEC I'm not a big competition guy but listen the SEC is the SEC you kind of have to put some weight into that right
0: it competition I, I always said that and Jacob very happy you brought that up competition is not the end-all be-all but it's the sweetener
1: it, it helps right and yes absolutely there, there are some things that kind of have me saying, okay, a little bit of a pause to concern here. Number one, very, very, very small build.
0: mm-hmm. That was literally the biggest concern that I have written down like, my sheet right now.
1: Like very small and and he looks at on like the thing with Zach Wilson is last year he was he's a smaller build, but on t- when you see him in pads, he doesn't look that small. Right, like he doesn't look like definitively. He fits in.
0: Yeah, he, he fits in. I mean, he's listed. He's listed six one two oh five. So he's, right. he's he's not like a wet rag or anything.
1: But Matt Corral looked really, really, really small. And also, that Ole Miss offense is not. They don't ask you to do too much. Correct. In that offense, we have seen some eye popping numbers from a lot of guys. And if you look at it, I think his yards per attempt were like. Small, small, like he was averaging like 7.2 yards of completion. And I, again, I'm not a big stats guy, but listen, that does go to say what you're being asked is like interceptions, touchdowns, yards. Okay, great. But the more advanced statistics I think do matter. And Matt Corral is in the NFL. Is he going to have guys like you look at last year? Who did he, who was his number one receiver in the draft last year?
0: I mean, you, you, just, want me, to, you just want me to sing the fucking song, do you? Maybe. Give, me exactly. give me, more. Elijah can't give me more.
1: Exactly. So I think he's a starter, though, and I think a relatively quick starter in the NFL. I would say he's the second, behind Kenny Pickett, who we'll talk about next, I think he's the second most pro-ready guy in this entire draft. So there are questions. There, there definitely are for me.
0: Uh, the ACL injury, that's, that's a big one, but all signs are pointing towards that he's checked out from that, and teams are pretty happy with, uh, where he's at in terms of that recovery, so I don't, I don't think the medical is that huge of a red flag with, with Corral like it is with someone like, like like Strong. That's just you know one thing. Looking at the numbers, I think the one thing when you look at a guy like let's say with with Howell, I think that's that's one of the biggest comparisons that I've seen is Corral to Howell, right? Howell with a lesser offense took a massive step back in 2021 but improved in some areas with corral. It was a lesser offense in 2021 with Ole Miss, but you could make the case that he actually maintained, if not actually improved with his line of work. If if we look at the, at the stats 2020, he had 10.3 yards per attempt, 29 touchdowns, 13 picks 2021, 8.5 yards per attempt, only 20 touchdowns, but only five interceptions on the year as a whole. He only threw 10 passes that were classified as 10 turnover worthy plays. That for me is huge. When you have a guy that is not throwing the potential big mistake ball that, that to me shows a couple things. Number one, He trusts where he's going with the ball, and he trusts that he's not going to be putting his team in a bad spot. Number two, he's showing that he has a very mature football IQ, that he's able to read the play and determine, okay, this is a bad spot. I shouldn't throw it there. This is a good spot. I could throw it there. Maybe I could throw it there, but it might be too risky of a spot. He's able to break it down, go through all of his reads, and determine which is the best place to get the ball out to. That is what Corral does. And I saw that on film with him where he did that really, really well. And I was actually, I was quite impressed because I'll I be the first one to say I was not the biggest Matt Corral guy. Like I was kind of like, eh, you know, give or take Ole Miss. We know the history of the quarterbacks with, with Ole Miss. I got it. But I wasn't the, the biggest fan of his. Then I watched, I was like, okay. I, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. He's not a guy that's going to wow people with his ability. But if you're looking for a guy who's going to be super clean, super consistent, and is going to grow and grow and grow over time, I I think Corral is that guy. I, I, I do. And I, I've become more of a fan as I, as I've watched him.
1: And that is something I put on my notes, too, is the ability to make quick decisions goes a long way, right? He gets the ball out. And yes. that also goes hand-in-hand hand with his throwing motion. And what was the issue I had with Justin Fields last year? He locked in on his first read the whole way. And how many times do we see in the NFL when guys come in here and they start playing right away those easy layup interceptions for opposing DBs? And that's something I don't think Corral has a problem with. I think he has the ability to scan the entirety of the field go through his first read, check his other reads and then throw it quickly to the guy that's already open and get them the ball to create easy offense.
0: I agree. I agree with you. And I think, I think if you're looking at a team, like I, and this is a team that I think I I'm almost certain my last mock, I had him uh, going there to Pittsburgh. That could be a really good spot for, for corral, but I, th- this isn't from what I've heard. This is just, more of a gut check i think with where the steelers are sitting in the late teens early 20s of of the draft i have a real feeling that we're going to have three quarterbacks going in the top 15 because of trades and and things like that so if the steelers are going to stand are going to stand pat they're not going to get corral they're going to have to trade into the top 15 to get a Matt Corral to get a Kenny Pickett, to get a Malik Willis and do the Steelers. Do they do that? Because we don't, we we don't know the Steelers as being that team that is super aggressive in trying to trade up, but there's ever a year to do it to get the clear Ben Roethlisberger succession plan in place for one of these quarterbacks. I think this is it. This has to be the year I would think.
1: Yeah. Well, They have traded. they traded for Devin Bush in the draft, right, in twenty nineteen. Yes, that
0: was that was that was the last time.
1: So they have done it before. I have heard and from all indications, Malik Willis is the guy that they want. Just putting it out there. I don't mind the fit. I'm just saying that's that's just from all indications. It looks like that's who they want. And in my last mock draft, I did have the Steelers trading up from twenty to number five with the New York Giants to take Malik Willis. I think if you want Willis or Pickett, you gotta trade the five with the Giants before the Panthers get going at number I six.
0: Completely, one hundred percent agree. Because that's that's where the that landing point is for a quarterback. I think
1: it could even be four. Could even be four to the Jets. I know they're open for business if things don't fall a certain way.
0: Hell, hell, it could it could even be two.
1: No, I I think I think Detroit has a pretty clear vision on. Well, also I'm just saying if you if you think Detroit likes Malik Willis, yes, but I don't think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't think they'll trade out of two is what I. Oh no, no 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 no
0: I don't either. I don't either. I think that that two is where the quarterback thought comes comes, in, in. comes into play. But I yeah. I I'm still very much in the camp that it's either gonna be. Hutchinson at two, if he doesn't go one, Or it's, I think he's going one two, and then there's talk now that that Trayvon Walker is en- is entering the picture in the top yep. five.
1: Oh no, he's in the he is he yeah. Tra- he's in the picture of the top three. Or yeah,
0: it's, it's to me, to me is it's indicative. I mean, he he stands out. He does, we'll but top th- top three worthy. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean it's 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 a really hard year to be at the top of the draft. Really, if, really tough. If,
1: if I had to predict today what will happen with that second overall pick, I would say Trayvon Walker, not Malik Willis.
0: I would agree. I would agree. Or or even I would say maybe taking one of the O linemen.
1: Detroit needs another lineman though.
0: I don't think they do, but I think it's more likely than they that they do that and just beef That's up their O line. Instead of going and taking Willis, I think it's more likely. But
1: yeah, to me, if they like Willis, we'd already know. Agreed. That he be to pick.
0: Agreed. All right. So now we just get to the uh, to the top two guys, Pickett versus Willis, and we uh, we disagree. Now, before I let you take take the reins here, I do want to say, and I think I know what the foundation of your case for Willis is going to be as number one guy. I am very much in the camp that Malik Willis has the highest ceiling out of the quarterbacks. Very much in that camp. So go ahead.
1: No, that's exactly it. To me, Kenny Pickett's ready to start week one next year. hmm I that's, truly believe that. Yep. But when you take everything into account here, and there was a lot I loved about Kenny Pickett. To me, the maturity jumps off the page. Just the overall, he throws what I like to call the best fastball in the entire draft. Really. It's just that thing is like an absolute bullet from 20 to 25 year. It is getting there in a hurry. But I think what separates him and Malik Willis is Malik Willis while he might not be the fastest guy in the world Malik Willis he's an exceptional runner of the football. Like how many times did we did we turn on the film and see okay here's an arm tackle that I'm just going to run through. Countless like a running. It's back, every right? game.
0: It's every it's, game. Just pick your game. It's,
1: it's every game but Pickett is a sneaky good athlete too that people I don't think understand that He might be just as fast as Malik Willis. Like, I don't think it – we didn't see Malik Willis run in Indy at the Combine. Kenny Pickett is a quick dude that will excel in the NFL in these RPOs, spread offenses, where he will be able to use his legs, but he'll be a throw-first quarterback. And the, the thing that stood out for me is the ball placement is just off the charts, NFL ready, the ability to thread the needle. Just these, what there you know, this from turning on film big boy throws, big league throws, and the for Kenny Pickett to be making those throws. And I also think the experience helps Kenny Pickett too, being it being with Pittsburgh for I think he's a redshirt senior, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. So being a redshirt senior, he's 24 years old, so you know, he might be a little bit more mature than the other guys. I think that kind of helped his development, and you've seen the ability to improve. Every year I mean this was kind of his big year If that makes sense before this was A little bit modest production wise but we've Seen the development with with Kenny Pickett And I think he's ready to start right away next Year to me the fit Is very important for him I think Pittsburgh is a better fit for him Than Malik Willis just putting it on the record But Carolina at number six something About it and I've also heard that the Philadelphia Eagles are fans of Kenny Pickett As well
0: interesting Interesting And they bring him in to maybe compete with Hertz interest. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. There's one point that you made about the big-time throws of Kenny Pickett. I want to piggyback off of that for a second. So in 2020, Pickett managed only 10 big-time throws. In 2021, his big-time throws went from 10 to 29. That is a huge jump. A huge jump. And I, I give a lot of credit to pick it because I I there are there are going to be countless people that may suggest that may want to say otherwise, but I think out of you could go pound for pound, who had the best I don't want to say best, but maybe the most eye popping. That's the word. The big the most eye popping year out of the quarterbacks, just in college football in general. I think Kenny Pickett might have been that guy because there were a lot of people who were just kind of eh, you know, maybe he sneaks in as like a a late day two pick last year. I don't think anybody thought that Kenny Pickett was going to be the top guy in this class. And that to me is what blows my mind is, is that I don't want to say the meteoric Joe Burrow rise, but it was a rise. It, it definitely was a rise where he just yep. came out of nowhere because. Coming into this class last year, we were talking about two guys. We were talking about Sam Howell, and we were talking about Malik Balls. Kenny Pickett was nowhere in in that discussion.
1: He is going to come in from day one.
0: Mm-hmm. And yes.
1: Take everybody by storm in, there, in that building with his maturity, The like we talked about before, the advanced football IQ. He will not make those. Obviously, he'll make them, but he won't make them as frequently, those rookie mistakes that we've seen from other passers in the past, he will start week one. I guarantee it. Wherever he goes, he will be the week one starter. And if I had to put my money where my mouth is, he's not getting past Carolina at number six.
0: I agree. No if, if if they have the opportunity to take picket, I think that's where he is uh, going to go. Two things that I want to say before we get to Willis, then we start talking about the AFC East. Oh, we have to give a sleeper as well. Um, and we'll, we'll make the sleeper just a, just a, qu- a very quick one, but with Pickett, before we get to Willis, two things that stood out. Number one, his feel. His ability to read the game. Those, like, uncoachable traits that you see in maybe with, like, a Josh Allen and a Patrick Mahomes in terms of arm strength. That's what Pickett has in terms of his ability to just feel out the game, be in the right spot, not make that costly error. Pickett does that. In excess, and with his tape, just pick, pick again, pick again. What you, you you want? You want to look at and say, okay, where where does that really shine? You want to talk about the Clemson game? That you want to talk about <laughs>
1: th-
0: the Clemson game is the one. The Clemson game is the one where if you want to look at tailor made competition for him and how he panned out, just watch the Clemson game. That's it. Number two, I'm piggybacking again off of what Jake said. This is the only quarterback maybe in this draft that is ready to start week one. And if he's, and when he does start week one, he has the potential to be competitive right off the jump because he can give you everything. You want the arm strength? Check. Accuracy? Check. Ability in the pocket? Check. Mobility? Check. Deep throw accuracy? Check. Middle range accuracy? Check. He has it all. Now, he's better at other things than he is at. Than he is at some other things. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Like, I think his ability, his ability in the pocket as being a strict pocket passer, I don't think that's his game. He has to be able to be, you know, scramble around a little bit, move around in the pocket. That's more his his thing. Where if you're restricting him to just staying in between the tackles inside the pocket, that's not really where he excels, but he 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 has success in, in doing it. But the one thing as as well that I do want to point out is, even in the face of pressure, Kenny Pickett was surprisingly pretty good. Like he didn't throw that, that that massive mistake ball that maybe you would see out of other quarterbacks. Pickett didn't do that.
1: The the thing that I did put in there as well, he does tend to get happy feet. Like yes, he, yes. The big thing with him that we've seen with guys in the past as well is. They don't stand back there long enough to let the play develop. They, re- they already go off script and try to make something happen when, you know, the pocket, the pocket's still there. It's it's not fully collapsed yet. You see what I'm saying? And that yeah. was my one kind of uh, don't really love this. But that's something that I think can be corrected with coaching. Whereas, you know, if this guy's coming in here and throwing balls, you know, with his, with his gate, with, with his arms wide open, like he's, uh, you know, an opening gate and it's just sailing on him or he's throwing the ball completely like over his forehead at guys, I would say, okay, you know what? That really needs to be corrected here. You see what I'm saying? That's something that is a con where I say, okay, you know what? That can easily be corrected on top of all this other really good stuff that he does.
0: There were two things that stood out as, as big no-nos with, with Pickett. He has to get the ball out quicker. I believe, if I remember correctly, he had the second second highest time to throw rate in the country. That has to change. He's got to get the ball out quicker. And the other thing is, he has this this really bad habit that I saw of throwing off his back foot. Not good. Has to correct yeah. that. But again, those are two things that can easily be corrected with coaching. But those are just two very big no nos that just that that popped off on uh, the ability all there. But the ability <laughs> is yes. Yeah, the, que- the real question is, how high is his ceiling compared to the next guy that we we're talking about, Malik Willis and and Jake? He he, this is your guy. This is your yeah. guy to just rave about, and then I'll I'll give my overall concern because I I have a
1: few. I have a few as well, but I'll start off with the really good stuff. I mean, how many times did you did you watch Malik Willis and go, did he really just do that? <laughs> like he that does was- things that we don't see too often. And to me, I'm a little bit of a sucker for those kind of guys, you know, from talking to me over the years where guys that make those throws where you're not supposed to make that throw, you see what I'm saying? But he made it. And that's something that really stuck out for me. And I'm, I'm a big, I'm also a big believer in guys making things look effortless. And he did that all the time, right? Throws where that's a hard throw. You know what I'm saying? Throwing those, uh, you know, those out routes of over 20 yards, right? Just like he, a little flick of the wrist, like, oh, he just did that and didn't really look like he tried too hard to do so. Or, oh, let me just roll out, throw off my back foot 60 yards of airtime on the ball to a guy that's pretty covered and dropping it in there. Drop It's like dropping the dime, right? Throwing it into the bucket. He did that a lot for me on tape. And another thing that just – it's where the game is going today, right, with these mobile quarterbacks is he's a runner – but he's an, an exceptional runner where he's running and he's not sliding. And that's obviously something that might need to be corrected a little bit in the NFL, but he is built like a running back playing yes. quarterback. Like yes. He, if you got to try to arm tackle him, that's not going to work. You got to take running. him down by the knees. Exactly. He will run, whereas the knees, you know, that that can be a little dicey for quarterbacks, but, and his ability to, he's not exactly fast where it's a straight line fast, but he accelerates. See what I'm saying here. Once he gets, yes. moved, it, it takes him a little bit to get, it's kind of like a. Once he gets kinda, that
0: second and third levels when he really is able to show off his stuff.
1: Exactly. It's kind of like a starting pitcher in baseball where they're throwing, you know, 94, 95. And then by the seventh inning, they're throwing 100. That's kind of what it is with him, kind of like an airplane. You get the whole metaphor there. So those things to me are just unteachable traits where other guys just don't possess that ability or even close to in this draft. Whereas with Malik Willis, he's ready to do that right away. And the things that I think he struggles with most are things where you kind of have to clean up a little bit. For instance, we talk about this a lot as well. The layups, you have to be able to throw in the pocket, got screen. The, the the screen passes in particular in college, they don't throw a ton of screens either. That's the thing. Also, we kind of forget with these guys coming out of college, but you need to hit them in the chest. There's no doubt. Or guys running stick or guys running like intermediate slants were a little bit of a concern for me. That to me is something that we can kind of correct, but the arm strength, the arm talent, and it just kind of comes out of his hand so beautifully. I think it comes out of his hand better than anybody in the class are just things where you say, okay, that's, that's special. And that's, he has the traits that are top five, top 10 worthy for me. I, him, and Kenny, him and Kenny Pickard are the only quarterbacks, by the way, I have a top 20 grade on.
0: Yep. I'm, first. I'm with you as well. I actually, I actually, when I was reviewing the tape, this was a couple weeks ago, and I had saved it for this episode. I had reached out to, to a scout just to like, ask him about Willis. And the response that he came back to for me is, he's a schoolyard ball player. And what he meant by that was the tricks. Showing off that, that lightning quick speed, that flashy ability. That's where Malik Willis shines. The arm strength, the scout also said to me that he has the best pure arm in this class.
1: Oh, by, close.
0: by a lot. By a lot. And when you combine the arm strength with the mobility that he has, that could be deadly in a modern NFL offense. So fit matters with Willis. Couple things that I immediately said need to be either cleaned up or something that I wasn't a fan of. One, again, sweetener level of competition, dreadful, dreadful playing at Liberty. So if you want to base it off of you know what he was able to do against Power Five de- defenses, he had some very bad showing against Power Five defenses against stepped up competition. Willis did not necessarily shine out. That's something that has to be looked at and say, is that a trend or is that just what he was working with at Liberty? That's one. Number two, the ability to go through all of his reads. There were times where I saw him just stare daggers right into his target. And it's basically a, oh, this is where you're going with the ball. Please give me that in the eyes of the defender has to be worked on to go through all of his reads, go through every last bit that you possibly can and make the right throw. That can be coached. I'm not worried about that in the slightest. With me, the biggest concern, and Jake, you said it before, is making those consistent, easy throws, making the simple plays. I think with Willis and with someone like him, he tries too much to do the big play. On his own, where he's got to trust who he's playing with. There are other guys outside of him that can help win games. There so are too many times, and this goes back to the level of competition that he was at, where he thought that he had to put the weight of the world on his shoulders to get a result. Whereas in the NFL, you could do that, but sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. You have to be able to trust the guys that you're playing with. They're going to be able to make the plays for you. And it's just him having to become more consistent in giving his guys the opportunity to do just that. So those are just a couple of things with, with Willis that kind of kind of alerted me a little bit with him, but I, I completely agree. I said at the top, Willis, he has the highest ceiling in this class by a million miles by a million miles. It it it's not close, but who's the cleanest guy? It's Pickett for me, which is why he's number one. Because I do appreciate clean. Go ahead,
1: real quick. Let before yeah. we move on to the AFC East and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. let's look at last year's draft and say, like, kind of compare our top two. You have Willis, I have Willis, you have Pickett. So let's just, I'll I'll we'll kind of switch roles here for a little bit. Sure. Trevor Lawrence or Kenny Pickett for you? Uh, come on, really.
0: It's Trevor it's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence.
1: Coming out of college.
0: Yeah, Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yep. Zach Wilson or Kenny Pickett for you. Coming out of college, Wilson. I think I think both are significantly better. Uh, coming out of college, yes. But then we get to number three, where the third quarterback drafted last year was Trey Lance. I,
0: I wasn't would take... my third ranked, but I would take both Willis and Pickett over Lance.
1: I agree. I had Lance. Obviously, you knew, you knew I had a little bit of a great, which is interesting because I love Willis this year. I think Willis is much more developed than mm-hmm. Trey Lance was coming out of college. Oh, Putting 100% blindly.
0: Yes, Blundly. 100% agree.
1: Justin Fields or your top-ranked guy?
0: Oh, Pickett. Pickett and Willis. I would, I would take both of them.
1: I was not a Justin Fields guy either. I would take both of them, too, over Justin Fields. Mac Jones, I loved Mac Jones last year, so I'm going to go with Mac Jones over both these guys.
0: I would take Pickett. I would take Pickett over Jones. I would take Jones over Willis.
1: I would take Mac. You knew I loved Mac Jones last year. Yeah, you were a big Mac Jones guy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You were a big Mac Jones guy. So before we go on to the AFC East, and we'll touch on needs and fits, and then we'll get on out of here. Uh, very quickly, Jake. A sleeper, and then two sentences max. Who do you got?
1: First of all, can you guess mine? Knowing me,
0: knowing you, is it Jack Cohn?
1: No, I come on. I'm not that biased.
0: Uh, I was Um, gonna. I was gonna say.
1: I'm going with Skylar Thompson out of Kansas State.
0: Ooh. Okay.
1: As a runner, I mean, this guy can absolutely fly. He has a cannon. It's just, unfortunately for him, the NFL is a completely, his game in the NFL needs a ton of work where the simple things need to become simple. And those, that whole running around, making things happen, schoolyard, but not enough blend of conventional quarterback just doesn't work. But if you're looking from a pure ability standpoint of measurables and combine performances and you can kind of make a project out of him. I think he's worth uh, taking a flyer on at the very least.
0: I think so. I, I, I don't think it's a bad shot at all. And I, I, I was actually, when I watched Skylar Thompson, I was impressed. He's I fine. was impressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he, if you're looking for the pedigree, big 12 school in, in Kansas state went up against pretty good competition looked good in in certain spots. Yeah. I'm 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 a fan. Uh for me my guy is is Jack Compton. Uh, and and it is full bias pushed to the side. I think for me when I look at Big can make the throws a, li- a little inconsistent but play had the pedigree playing at Notre Dame was good in spots. Had moments where it's kind of like eh but then had moments where it was like oh, oh okay. It just needs to work on a bit of the consistency with, with, with Jack Cohn. But for me, if you're looking for a guy that you're going to take in the mid-rounds and you're looking on him to be a bit of a project, Jack Cohn's the guy. I look at a spot like Indianapolis for him, and you back you have him back up Matt Ryan or be the third string to um, Sam Ellinger and then to Matt Ryan with maybe him becoming the next guy in Indianapolis, I think that's a good spot for someone like Jack Cohn.
1: I don't want to be too correct because obviously, you know, <laughs> also, a hometown I, boy. I, I, I joke. I joke a lot about how I'm an Alabama. I'm really a Notre Dame fan. It's just, they bring too much pain, but the thing about Colin without getting too negative is when, when they seem to play the better competition. Shaky. It was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was, that was a lot of the, 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 the lows
1: with that was with where he kind of reverted back to kind of just like being bad, not bad, but, Shaky. The special wasn't that. I again, I don't want to be too correct, but the the competition once it got a little bit better on Notre Dame's schedule, he wasn't the the same guy as some other matchups on their uh, their season slate.
0: Agreed. Agreed. All right. You want to go start talking about the needs? So let's start with. We'll start with. We'll start with Buffalo. Jake, what is a need? What are the needs for you from? For the Buffalo Bills, where do you think they can go out and, and, and improve?
1: It's kind of funny because they don't really have any needs. They have a ton of flexibility in this draft. I think they don't have a glaring need on their roster where you say, okay, we need to go out there and do that or else we're completely screwed. They have quality guys at every position and a ton of A players on the roster. And then what do you say? Okay, we have the luxury, we can make some luxury picks. And to me, I circle that running back position. Uh, would you be surprised to see Kenneth Walker at 25 to Buffalo? Or nope. Bryce Hall at Iowa State.
0: Nope. That's a that's
1: that's what stands out.
0: Especially if they, if they're looking to do with with they, which they have historically done, which is have that one A one B kind of guy. And I I see it as a perfect spot if they want to take that luxury pick, which Buffalo does does have the option to do at twenty five. They they do have that choice,
1: and they need to really like Josh Allen's an exceptional runner of the ball, but. They kind of need to start thinking about him a little bit long term. He do you really want him being the primary rushing option after no. paying him all this? No, you don't. Right. You no. kind of need to think you about he's one. Every quarterback's one hit away. Right. From yep. having a serious injury. And you don't want that with Josh Allen. So take some pressure off him and get a quality running back in here to go with Devin Singletary.
0: For me, I I have a couple needs that I think linebacker is probably one that they could probably go and explore. Maybe a secondary wide receiver. Obviously, losing Cole Beasley, they have they have Stephon Diggs. Of course, you know we all know we all know the talent that that Stephon Diggs is. But if they can go out, and maybe maybe that's a spot for someone like Jamison Williams potentially. If he doesn't go a bit higher than this, because to me, if if, if he's in Terra's ACL, Jamison Williams is going in the top fifteen, and there's. One. No doubt that no uh, no doubt about it, yeah. Uh, but for for me, I I think that interior of the offensive line needs a little bit of work. They did sign Roger Saffold in this off season. I think that offensive line could be a spot that that they do go, and then corner as well as yep. a secondary option next to Jadavious White, because we saw what happened when Javius White went down. They just had no depth at, at corner at all. So I think corner is another area that they'll probably have to address at, at some point in the draft, whether it's in round one or not. I'm not sure, but corner is definitely an area they have to go and improve.
1: I think Buffalo, I know we have to move on. I think Buffalo would really benefit from getting that kind of hybrid. Sa- I know they have two really good safeties, but kind of that, kind of like a Jamal Adams, right? that can kind of cover a little bit. They could play down below in the box and also play linebacker, kind of like a weak side linebacker slash safety Mm -hmm. build. Whereas you go up against Kansas, because Buffalo really needs to plan around Kansas city, because that's kind of been the dragon. They haven't been able to slay right in the AFC. And obviously going up against Travis Kelsey, I think they need a guy that can kind of that. We'll talk about this when we do linebackers and all that, but is, Fast like a DB, but big like a linebacker. I a think p- Buffalo can really benefit from that.
0: A linebacker that has elite coverage skills and is no slouch when he has to go in and blitz.
1: Yes, exactly. Who that guy is in this draft, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Yes,
0: yeah, because there, there are a few that could be that, but I don't think there is one necessary, necessary standout guy that that can be that but we will we'll get to that along uh, a long hour journey throughout the uh, the NFL draft uh, the Patriots the Patriots for me corner they have to address corner I still think that there is the possibility that Stefan Gilmore maybe ends up back in New England they have to address it even even, even if Gilmore doesn't go back there even happen. if he does they have to address it they lost JC Jackson that is a massive hole. In their secondary, they have to go and address. They need a go-to wide receiver. I don't know what the Patriots are doing, just sitting back and watching the rest of the AFC just get drastically better. But they who 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 is the Patriots the receiver right now? No one. No, nobody. But, nobody. I don't,
1: think, I don't know if they really need that, though. Is the question. I don't know if the offense is built to have that de facto number one I think it's just built to have guys that are good within that system because they're very stubborn over there in New England obviously Josh McDaniels is gone but I truly think that they think they're good if they had to go play a game with the pass catchers they have like I can't see them drafting a receiver in the first round I really can't
0: no I can't either I can either I think receiver is so deep this year that they can go and take a receiver round two round three and still be totally fine I I, I think with with the way they should be going is is corner. I corner for me is the, linebacker. the spot linebacker as well, and then just in general defense, the defensive line. Thinking they, they, they can they could use an, an edge rusher, and they could also use a defensive tackle as well. So maybe maybe a uh, like a I don't even know if if he would get there. Maybe maybe a Jordan Davis could be a really good fit in in New England but I don't think he gets there.
1: No shot. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think he gets there. He gets there necessarily. Maybe I mean he's another guy that I another guy that I really really like in, in this class is, is Andrew Booth out of Clemson. That could be a really good fit in, in in New England.
1: To me I think Devin Lloyd makes a lot of sense. If he makes they, it there. They need a new, they need new they needed I think he will. I think he will. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that off the ball linebacker mold in the draft. Is not necessarily the most pro- what what are we premium position premium you kinda sexy. To, you kinda, sexy you kind you kind of have to do a little bit more like we saw Michael Par- Michael Parsons be that true Swiss Army knife and yes I I, I could see Belichick because re- they need a new quarterback in the defense. Dante Hightower won't be coming back this year. Correct in all likelihood. So Correct. I'm 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 a pretty confident. Guy and saying that I think Belichick Gets a linebacker in the first round
0: I would probably say it's a very Very safe bet that he Will get a linebacker it's at if not in Round one definitely in Round two All right we'll save we'll save the Jets for Last because I know I know you're just you're chomping At the bits talk about the uh, the New York Jets Let's do the Miami Dolphins When you what do you what do the Dolphins need
1: This is another interesting one to Me I think an offensive lineman makes the most sense but where they're picking in the draft to me tackle this year is a pretty significant drop off from the top tier guys that we'll probably see go in the top 15 i don't want to just spoil my rankings now but the consensus guys are kind of where i'm leaning with the offensive tackles still obviously need to do my homework but um i would say an offensive tackle yeah, obviously losing out on Collins, obviously getting Armstead, but they could still use another tackle.
0: Yeah, interior offensive lineman is the way that I would go. And you have to remember they don't have their first round pick, so they're going to have to be they do. Didn't they trade it for Oh no, no no no, no. you're right. You're right, nope. they still have it. They still have it. I'm I'm an idiot. They I they... think
1: they did next year, right? The, their first round pick or I they still have it though. No. No, no.
0: They don't they traded it. They
1: don't. They trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, they
0: traded it. They traded yes. it, so they don't have their first round pick this year. The chiefs have 29 and they have 30. So their available pick is going to be in the, in the second round, but there are plenty of good interior offensive linemen in this draft. So I'm not worried about the dolphins and their ability to, you know, are they scared about not getting a need? They're going to get a guy. They're going to get a guy that, that will, will help them. I think they need an offensive lineman. I could see them potentially in the market for a linebacker, and I think a safety as well for Miami could be a, a, an avenue that they that they go down. But I think offensive line because they have to protect two, and this is the year they have to figure out what they have with with Tua. Tunga by I'm
1: pretty confident saying they'll they'll draft an offensive lineman with that second round pick,
0: one way I or the would, other. I would put money on it. I would definitely with the put, coach,
1: an offensive coach especially that yeah. is big into running the ball.
0: Yeah i i would uh, I would agree, all right, Jake, the New York jets, oh wow, Jake, what do the jets possibly need well, besides I, everything,
1: I just see
0: no, they don't need everything they don't need everything because,
1: it's tough because they play in such a loaded division too like that yeah. definitely doesn't help their rebuilding efforts, but I don't think that this jets roster is as needy at every position as we've seen in pretty much every year a year ago just let's just, let's just ago, go basically a year ago yeah a year ago I think now the needs are pretty narrowed down and particularly to me the the number one glaring need on this team is a number one wide receiver plain and simple we love Elijah gimme give gimme give more great guy he could be a number he could be a number one but I think I, he, he's, he's more better as number B. two I don't know I don't think number two I think he's more of a 1b than a 1a
0: Okay, so like like a Calvin Ridley to Julio
1: type. Yes. And so number to me, number one wide receiver, number two, have to get a pass rush. Yeah. Have to. Yes. I mean they they their leading edge rusher got two sacks last year in Bryce Huff. And obviously we get Carl Lawson back at the end of at the beginning of training camp. So that's good, but I still think that's not enough. They need another pass rusher. And with two picks inside the top ten, it's very simple if you're the Jets. Kayvon Thibodeau at four, if he's there, that is the take it know, to the back. You don't think about it. Nope. Um, I I don't know about Trayvon Walker and the salad defense. Uh, that's an interesting one. I don't see. It's just he's a very similar player to what they already have mm-hmm. in in Quentin Williams and John Franklin Myers, in my opinion. So I don't know about that. Jermaine Johnson might be a little bit of a reach there, and then at ten, you're, you're going wide receiver. I think they and they kind of showed their cards a little bit too, right? I think so. They they tried going after Tyree Kill. We know that story. Yep. Calvin Ridley, they tried going after, and Atlanta said, listen, we can't trade him. You'll find out more in, in a couple weeks. And Amari Cooper didn't want to re- rework his contract yep. to go to the Jets. So I think I kind of have a feeling of which receiver they're they're uh and I knew I know that they're high on the guy too.
0: And it Just is conversations.
1: I don't want to, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, Johnny, Mr. Quick scoop, but I know before the injury from a conversation I had with someone that they were in on J- they really like Jameson Williams from, Alabama I'm not
0: surprised
1: before the injury. And I, I think now I can kind of see it.
0: I think I honestly think it would be one that a lot of people, there'd be some eyebrows raised that Jameson Williams went 10 but you need to look at it this way. Before the injury, if Jamison Williams went 10, would anybody be raising their eyebrows?
1: He wouldn't be there at 10. No. He, he would be there. I'm pretty confident saying I think he would be there pick at four. Exactly. Pretty confident.
0: Exactly. No one, no one would have raised an eyebrow about Jamison Williams going at 10 before the injury.
1: And, and this isn't a redshirt year for him either. Mm-mm. Like he, he, there's a great chance of a more than great chance that he's ready to go week one.
0: Yep. I would say there's more likely chance than not, than he's ready to go week one,
1: man. I, I would really be ecstatic. Um, For me, I, I know we'll talk more about the wide receivers, but I can, it's interesting because I know that they do like Drake London, but he doesn't really fit the mold of the receiver that they were going after this off season. To me, he doesn't, Jameson Williams or Garrett Wilson.
0: He doesn't fit what Zach Wilson does best. What Zach Wilson um, no, no, does, no,
1: that's, that I disagree with.
0: Well, I think what Zach Wilson does really, really well, maybe not best, what he does really well, is throw the ball downfield. And if you want a guy that's going to be able to take the top off of the defense, that's what Jameson Williams does best.
1: Okay, but here's the thing also, Zach Wilson, though, that he does well, is he throws off-platform and off-script those fair. 50-50 jump ball, and that's, that's where Drake, Drake London comes in. But I agree with you. I think I, I really am co- pretty confident in Jamison Williams to the Jets. In a couple weeks, maybe I'll have more, but I think that's their guy. Him or Garrett Wilson, to me, are the guys that they've narrowed it down to. At 10. Yeah,
0: and Garrett Wilson has been one of those guys that I've heard is going up boards quick.
1: It could be as early as the Falcons at eight, in my opinion.
0: I've heard the same, which to me, I, I heard that. I was like, whoa, but I get it. I get it because, I mean, listen, I'm I'm a big Ohio State He's guy. my o-
1: favorite.
0: O-H-I-O. He's good. He's good. I'm not gonna say he's great. I'm not gonna say he's great. Because I think, you know, I, I'm a Drake London guy. I am a Jameson Williams guy. Hell, I'm even an Alave guy. But Wilson Wilson's good. But can he go as high? If he goes eight, I would go, I would really be like, whoa. And if he if he goes over Jameson Williams and Drake London, it, it oof, It would almost feel, I don't know if I want to say it would be like, but it would feel a lot like Henry Ruggs going over Judy and Lamb and, I mean, now Jefferson. But I don't think anybody – well, I know you did. But I don't think the consensus really had Justin Jefferson being in the same mold at the time when he was drafted as CD, Judy, and, I guess, Ruggs,
1: I guess. You, you, you forget who had Justin Jefferson as his uh, favorite receiver did. coming at <laughs> Oh,
0: no, I, di- I did not forget. I, ga- I gave you the credit, sir.
1: Oh, man, that was that was that feels like ages ago. But it it, just as an outsider's view, though, obviously not yeah. having any emotional ties, though, it, it, with yeah. four and ten, where, where do you think the Jets are best off going?
0: Well, I think they're in a great spot with two first round picks. I still think that they owe Jamal Adams the biggest thank you in the world for getting that extra first round pick, because now I, I think the Jets are actually in a really, really good spot. And this is it's the first time in a long time that I've been able to say that I understand what the Jets are doing. And I know we've talked about this on the side. I thoroughly understand what the jets are trying to do. And with the, with the failed Tyreek Hill pursuit,
1: don't, don't this is supposed to be a good second. It's, it's me, supposed man, to be happy. Really? It's supposed to be happy,
0: but, but no, 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 I will say <laughs> while it sucks that they didn't get him. I don't think it's the end of the world that they didn't because you still, you're not going to be, have the highest paid receiver in the national football league on your books where you're putting pressure on the team to compete within the next two or three years while he's on it without Tyreek Hill, you're basically giving yourself a loose window when you have to compete, which is good because the jets should not have to feel rushed. Now you're looking at the state of what the AFC is. The AFC is loaded. So if the jets are not competing for the next two years, I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, you know, that's a massive failure because it's not the AFT. No, they, AFC, they
1: have to. They have to win games. That they have to win at least.
0: They have to. This year. They have to win games. Yes, but do they have to make the playoffs? Is what I'm saying. No, not they, necessarily. They don't. No, they don't. Where I think the Jets have to go, edge rusher, absolutely, jump off the page right away. I think in every mock that I've done, Kavon Thibodeau at four. Like, uh, even even though I'm not the biggest Kayvon Thibodeau guy, and we'll talk about Thibodeau more, Thibodeau to the Jets makes so much sense. It hurts. Then with the next pick at 10, I'm going to be very curious to see who is there, because I'm a big Kyle Hamilton guy. I know you're not.
1: Uh, No, no, no. I think he's a good player. I just don't fit with the Jets. No, absolutely. I just don't think they should be drafting safeties.
0: Not maybe not at 10,
1: but oh, no, no, no. The second round, they will be looking for a safety. Yeah,
0: Okay. So maybe not in the first round, but in the second round, you, you yep. would consider it. I think linebacker, they may have a need there. I think interior defensive line, they may have a need, not in the, not in the early rounds, but as like a depth piece, like if you're a draft, tackle defense attack in the third or the fourth round, I think it's fine. I don't think you need one in, in round one, but for me, the optimal spot for the jets to go at 10 is corner. And there are two guys right off the right off the rip that I think that if they were to follow the Jets, I think you know there would be Jets fans should be doing just backflips. It's Derek Stingley and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Gardner Gardner would be the one for me.
1: Let me tell you something about Sauce Gardner that I heard today. Yeah, won't make it past the Giants pick at, at five or seven. Wow!
0: Wow! And I, you know what? I don't I don't think that's crazy. Because I, I honestly.
1: Stingley's he, a no, though. I am not a Derek Stingley guy. No.
0: He's very hit or miss for me. There, are some, things okay. like there are some things that I like and there's some things I don't like. I'm a, a sauce gardener, though. He's my number one corner in the class.
1: Yeah. To, but to me, though, just reading the tea leaves and based on what I've heard and gathered is I just don't see two guys and Robert Sala and Joe Douglas being cut from the cloth of the Ravens and the Eagles and the Niners with under Kyle Shanahan, just big yeah. into the trenches taking corner or a safety. I think a safety is completely off the table. N- number one. Well,
0: okay. So let me ask you, let me ask you this then. This was, this was another opportunity when I was doing the, the mock that I had in for the jets for a second. And then I pulled them out. Cause I wasn't sure if this would be a fit, but what if they were to take Linderbaum?
1: I actually heard today. Tyler Linderbaum might drop out of the first round. Wow, that that's crazy
0: to me. Did yeah. you hear? Did you, Did you hear why?
1: Just the this, the center position.
0: I mean, I just, it. it's just yeah, it's not necessarily
1: got... viewed. And and the, the, now we got all the people nitpicking. He has short arms. No, he does. He does. That's kind of the big. That I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's dropping out, but I'm saying that he will get drafted later than we think.
0: He has, I think, the Cesaroese syndrome when Cesar yep. Ruiz came out and people were talking about him being as high as the top 15 pick it took New Orleans trading up to get him for him to drop out of the first round
1: yeah and also I thought you were gonna say what about Icky and Quanu because to me Icky and Quanu is the second best player in this draft
0: see I I, I didn't even consider a Quanu at 10 because I don't think or four can...
1: I was saying really
0: at four possibly but I think I think the need for edge is more significant than the edge for a tackle at four.
1: I have heard that they like Charles Cross too, who might be there at 10.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. I love, I,
1: I'm a really big fan of Charles C- Cross myself.
0: See, I know people, there. I know people who are very high on Cross and who have said he's a top 10 pick all day, every day. And then I've heard people say that he's not a third-round pick
1: fan. Yeah, he's no, very, I'm not very mixed. I'm <laughs> most certainly not, but we, we kind of we're on the same wavelength here. If I had to predict though today, it's Kayvon Thibodeau and Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson. If Jamison Williams was healthy, I would say yes. And obviously he probably wouldn't even be there at 10, but one of those two I think will be the pick at 10, bearing any trades.
0: Be- bearing any trades, exactly, which we open. all know.
1: They're they're open for business.
0: Yes. Yeah. Someone called someone called Joe Douglas. Someone called Joe Douglas, please. The
1: Eagles. Well, I'm telling you, don't don't be surprised.
0: No, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all given given the uh, given the connects so that will be it for this edition of the basement talk podcast show Uh, leave a five-star review subscribe tell us how much you love the podcast and don't forget to go vote on the poll whose side are you on will smith or chris rock please pretty please and thank you choose the right answer for jake i'm bird we'll be back next week or we'll be talking about the afc north and we will be breaking down the running backs and the receivers next week. So we'll be doubling up. And yeah, can't wait for it. So Jake, I'm Bert, and we'll talk to the next week. Bye bye.